It is so good having you guys here on Easter Sunday to be celebrating together. All of life is defined by movement. If you think with me about it, all of life is defined by movement. We have a young granddaughter, and when she moved from from incomprehensible babble to spoken words, there was movement in her life. There's celebration about this movement in her life. And in four weeks in this room, we'll have a, a bunch of seniors in high school that are moving in their life from high school to either work or more education. And we'll celebrate that movement in their life. All of life is defined by movement. We have a good friend who's getting married in six weeks. Movement in his life. A couple I know and love dearly, just about out of debt. Movement in their life. So much of it is celebratory movement. Not all of it, though. Loss of a job is almost always unwelcome movement, isn't it? Loss of health, always unwelcome, undesirable movement. When I was writing this out, I was in a McDonald's. I met a woman who, along with her four children, had just moved from their home to a shelter for abused women. Movement, but not a wanted movement. All of life is defined by movement. In fact, we have a word for it. When all movement ceases, we have a word for it, don't we? It's called death. It's called death. Four, four guys, four old friends from way back, senior citizen guys are at the local coffee shop, and, and they're talking together, and one of them says to the other three, so suppose the next funeral is your funeral, because that's what old guys talk about when they get together. I know because I have some old friends, and that's what they talk about. And so the guy says, okay, next funeral is yours, and, and so just imagine the day has come of the service, and there's this open casket, and people are coming by, and as they stop and as they gaze in the casket, what would you hope they would say about your life? The first man thinks and says, I would hope they would say I was a, a kind and generous man. The second man says, I, I would hope they would say I was really I was a great family man. Yeah. Third man says, I hope they'll say, look, he's moving. Because <laughs> movement means life, right? If movement ceases, there's a word for its death. Movement means life. It means life. There's, there's one movement in the history of the universe that trumps all other Movement. In fact, this one singular movement is the most important movement to your life, to the life of everyone who's ever drawn breath. Nearly 2,000 years ago, the Roman Empire crucified three men in this remote outpost of the empire on a Friday. They were just three of tens of thousands, some say hundreds of thousands, that the empire would crucify through the years, but three men on that given Friday, and by the end of the day, there was no movement. They were dead. They were dead. But Sunday morning, one of them, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. He came back to life again. Scripture says over 40 days, he appeared to many people, many times, as many as 500 at a time. He spoke with them. He touched them. He ate with them. He came back to life. He conquered death. He moved from death to life, and he was no ordinary man. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that, that the Father created everything that is through Jesus the Son. Everything in existence was created through Jesus the Son, which means you were created through Jesus the Son. And Colossians goes on to say that, that Jesus holds the entire universe together. He's the one that holds it all together. He's the Son of God who lived from eternity past, and yet he chose to come to this planet intentionally to die, knowing evil men would kill him to die, so he could move from death to life, so he could offer you and me the same opportunity to move from death to life as well. 
the most well-known passage in the Bible, at least in the U.S., has got to be John 3.16. Because everyone watches football, at least. Man, I come to church, you watch football, you see John 3.16 pop up, right? This is what it says. It says, if I can find it. Okay. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He came to, to give eternal life, to give movement from death to life. And he says he gives this to everyone who believes in him. Now, this was written originally in the Greek language, and, and the word we translate believe is the word pistuo. And it means very powerfully, very profoundly, not just to believe intellectually, not just to believe it's a sunshiny day and going about life. It means to believe in someone or something so deeply, you would trust your life to this person. You would surrender leadership of your life to him, to Jesus. In fact, his most common command through all the scripture of Jesus is follow me. In other words, he's saying, I'm the leader, you're the follower. Surrender leadership to me, follow me. Everyone who, who surrenders leadership to me, who follows me, I will give them the movement from death to life. It's theirs. And I want to talk with you about what, what that means, moving from death to life. I want to give you four things that happen with that. The first is this. It means moving from guilty to innocent, innocence. It means moving from guilty to innocent. In Colossians 1.22, it says, Jesus has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Referring to those who have surrendered leadership to him. You are without a single fault. Every single sin forgiven. But not merely forgiven. In Jeremiah 31, 34, God says, I will no longer even remember your sins. He says, I will remove them from my eternal memory. They'll be removed. They'll be expunged. They'll be erased. He goes about this again and again in different ways. In Psalm 103, 12, he says, I will, I will move your forgiven sins as far as the east is from the west. In other words, infinity, never to be found again. Micah 7, 19, he says, I will cast them to the very depths of the ocean. No one will ever see them again. They are expunged. They are erased. They are gone. They're gone. Marie and I spent a weekend with a man named Harold Morris. Harold Morris, is, he's now in heaven, but um, grew up in Georgia, somewhere in his mid to late 20s. He was arrested, tried, convicted of armed robbery and murder. He was given two life sentences without parole. While he was in prison, a number of fights got him thrown actually on death row. When they put him on death row, they slammed the door shut and they said, this is where you will die. You will breathe your last here on death row. At some point in time, there's this a sports buddy from the high school days named Cleve McClary that comes to see him. They'd not connected since high school days. They both were big star athletes. Cleve McClary comes in. Harold looks at him and says, boy, a lot's happened in your life because Cleve had been to Vietnam and Cleve was missing an arm and missing an eye. And Cleve said, no, there's a whole lot more than meets the surface because since I last knew you, I've come to know and believe in and follow Jesus. And he's changed my life. And I came here to Georgia to find you to tell you how much she loves you as well. And my wife, Deanna, she's down in the car, and she said, would I ask your permission to bring her up as well? And, and Harold said yes, and she came up as well. And they both said to him, God loves you so much, and he longs to forgive your sins. And there was something about their sincerity 
in the working of God that when they left, he couldn't forget what they said, and, and he thought, could it really be true? Like the Son of God actually came and died for me, even me, even my sins. And somewhere during that night, he surrendered leadership of his life to Jesus and began to change everything about the man. His uh, interaction with other fellow prisoners, his interaction with, with guards, and all began to change. He began to have a very positive impact upon the people around him. It was rippling through the prison. The day finally came that, that they had, there were so many problems within the city schools that the schools reached out and said, is there anyone you could send to, to talk to the kids? A last hope, last-ditch effort, effort to, to see if we can stop the violence in the school. So they decided, we'll take Harold in chains. He's really articulate. He's passionate. We'll see what happens. We'll try it once. What can we lose? So they get all the high school in the auditorium, and they bring Harold up in chains, and he begins to talk to them about life and about Jesus and what he's found. And, and the impact of that one gathering rippled through the entire high school, changed it so much. Another high school called the prison and said, would you bring Harold Morris out? And it happened again, and another high school, and another, another. Then other cities began to ask, and other states began to ask. And then it wasn't just high schools. It was all kinds of crowds. Until the point came that they actually gave him parole, which they said he would never get. And he actually became a free man. And then some time passed, and the governor of Georgia said, I will, I will pardon you of all of your crimes, which means we will expunge from the record. We will erase from the record every crime you've ever had. So if you go to Georgia and you search all the records, there's no record of any crime Harold Morse has ever committed. So Harold was asked when that happened, how do you feel? He said, it feels really good to have a governor pardon your, your crimes and have them expunged, but it can't, it can't begin to touch the impact of the king of kings who had already expunged, already erased, already wiped out every single sin of mine already. It's already happened. When you trust Jesus and you move from death to life, you move from guilt to innocence. Can you imagine that? I mean, complete, total innocent, all sins completely wiped out and forgotten. You move from guilty to innocent. You also are moving from not enough to complete. I'll tell you what I mean by that. I, for whatever reason, I grew up looking for my self-worth and self-esteem from performance. And I'm not different than a lot of you in this room, and so many of you can identify, but if, if I seemed to perform well, then I thought I was worth something that day, if not uh, opposite direction. But I, I chose the field of engineering, which is really cool if you're performance-driven, because there are equations in engineering, and there are answers. And you can get the right answer. It's so cool. You can go home and say, I, I must be worth something because I performed today. I did the equations. I got the right answer. I got into petroleum engineering, a little more complex, a few more unknowns, but still a lot of days you can run the math and it works and there's oil there. A lot of days, well done. Then I become a pastor and I, you know what I figured out? Not a single one of you is an equation. <laughs> you are so complex. So I didn't say messed up. So, so complex. I, I can't figure anybody out, even my wife or even myself. And, and so there, there were so many days, first week, month, first few years, so many days I would go home and think, I don't think I perform well. I have no idea. I don't think I perform well. And then I was reading a verse I'd read so many times that it finally hit home. Colossians 2.10. Speaking to those who, who follow Jesus, 
You are complete through your union with Christ. You're no longer not enough. You no longer haven't performed well enough. You are complete. You, you are complete. It's the total package. And I thought about that. The only thing, the only thing God has ever asked a human being, only thing he's ever asked is follow Jesus. And so you follow Jesus and and, and you've done everything he's asked. He said, you're complete in that. As you follow him, then he'll guide you and direct you and shape you and mold you and all that. But, but all he ever asks is just simply follow Jesus. You're complete. Just you and Jesus is enough. I, I heard a man named Gail Irwin speak so many years ago. And a uh, great, great speaker, um, really funny guy. He's about, about this tall and probably equally round and He's telling us this story about how he was uh, in the highest level of the interleague basketball that they had in his city and everything, like the highest level. of They played two-man basketball. I don't know if that's common. They played two-man. He said, I, I'm the point guard of the championship team. We've won so many years in a row. And I'm thinking, liar, liar, pants on fire. There's no way that's true. <laughs> and, and so he goes on and says, well, yeah, in fact, I, it, I, I'll convince you. I'll show you a picture of, of my teammate, and his teammate is 6'11". And his teammate was this championship, you know, Division I player and everything. And he said, we win every game. And my only job, I'm the point guard. My only job is if, the, if I happen to get the ball, get it to my teammate. I forgot the guy's name. That, that's my only job. And if I can avoid the ball and my teammate gets it, that's even better. But that's my job. And we win every game. It's just me and him, me and him, me and him. And he said, that's what it is with Jesus. If it's you and Jesus, you are enough. You're no longer not enough. If it's you and Jesus, you are enough. You're complete through your union with Jesus. When he leads you from death to life, he also leads you from not enough to complete. He also is moving you from enslaved to free. In James chapter 8, verses 34 to 36, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. The slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son, speaking of himself, if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So this is what happens to most people when they, when they trust their life to Jesus, begin to follow him. There are some sins that just seem to fall away, to, to fall away. It seems like even without effort, it seems like you just shed some of the sins and, and they're just gone. And it's so cool. It's so, so easy. But there are other sins that almost always have. There are other sins that cling like barnacles to you. And you don't want them, and you pray that they'll be gone, and you work at it and everything, but they seem to cling like barnacles. But Jesus is saying this. He's saying, apart from me, apart from moving from death to life with me, you're just stuck. Good luck. You'll always have many of the barnacles. They'll always be there. He's saying, with me, just walk with me. Let me show you the way to walk. And one by one, one by one, these sins will begin to fall by the wayside. And the final one won't fall until you meet me face to face, and then whatever's left to fall. But, but you're no longer a slave to sin. You're free from sin. I will transform you now. Wednesday night here at the harbor, we are bringing in a man named Greg Miller. And literally, people have traveled across you know, from other countries to hear this man speak. And he's going to speak about, the, his title is, Getting Unstuck, Living Life with Momentum. He's going to teach about what you do about those, those sins that seem to attach like barnacles. He's going to teach about, about whatever that may be. And, and for you, it may be anger that 
It just seems like you can't shed it. It keeps coming back. Maybe it's envy or jealousy or pride or lust or fear or materialism or all kinds of addictions for you. But Wednesday night, he'll be teaching about this is how God, this is how God helps you navigate through those for one by one by one because you're no longer a slave to sin. You are free. You're free from sin. When he moves you from death to life, he also moves you from life on earth to life in heaven in one instantaneous second. From life on earth to life in heaven. Wednesday morning, I was journaling. It was intended to be a private journal the night before a dear, dear friend of ours died. So I'm, I'm writing my journal. Last night, Merlinda stepped into heaven, into Jesus' waiting arms. Jesus, thank you for coming, for dying, for rising, for ascending. You, Jesus, have changed everything. What love you have for each of us, Merlinda is experiencing life as you always intended it to be. No more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of those are gone forever. You, Jesus, are making everything new. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus and the four guys down at the coffee shop and have the conversation, and it's, it's about your funeral, then if you follow Jesus, then the moment you breathe your last breath on earth, you breathe your first breath in heaven, you step into the embrace of Jesus in that instant. When he moves you from death to life, when that time comes to transfer locations, it's instantaneous. Last breath here, first breath there. He moves you from life to death, from heaven, from earth to heaven, man. He moves you from earth to heaven. The most crucial movement of your life is you moving from death to life. You move from death to life and you move from, from guilty to innocent. And from not enough to complete, from enslaved to free, and from life on earth to life in heaven instantaneously, you get all of that. The most important movement of your life is moving from life to death. But it's a two-step movement. It's a two-step process. And it, while it's easy two steps, there are two steps to the process. It's, and I, they're really easy, believe me. I, I, I'm not a dancer at all. My wife is a great dancer. Kids are great dancers. I'm not. And so... So Marie's trying to teach me this thing called the two-step dance. Anyone, anyone know that? Marie told me it's the easiest dance to learn, and so she taught me the steps, and it wasn't nearly as easy as she thought it was. But I practiced and practiced. It, it, it's like this. It's, it's like this and like this. And I know I'm making it look a lot easier than it really is, but it's really, this is 40 years of practice to get this down. And so it's really, it's a complex deal, but I, I practiced and practiced. And so finally we're at the, the dance floor in Hallisville, Texas, and we're doing the two-step, and we made about three or four or five circles around it, and I am nailing it. I'm nailing the two-step. And so my wife is such an encourager, so I said, how am I doing, honey? And she said, you're doing great, but be a lot rom more romantic if you quit looking at your feet and look at my eyes. And <laughs> so I looked in her eyes, and I stepped on her feet, and, and it wasn't nearly as simple as she thought it was. The two-step dance is not, but, but these two steps that move you from Death to life are simple and clear and profound. 
Jesus took the first step 2,000 years ago. Friday, he died for this purpose. So he could come back to life again on Sunday. He went from death to life. So you could go from death to life as well. He's taken the first step. It is finished. It's done. And the second step is yours, and only you can take it. And it's very simple and very profound. It will change everything. It's a step of saying to him, I will surrender leadership to you. I believe you actually came. I believe you died. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that you're the God of the universe. I believe you're the one that made me. I believe you have wisdom and power and grace and love. And who else would I surrender to if not you? And so I'm surrendering my life to you. I want to follow you. And the moment you do that, then you move from death to life. And you move from guilty to innocent, every sin expunged, erased. You move from not enough to complete because it's just you and Jesus, and that's more than enough. You've, used, you've moved from being enslaved to sin to being free, the power in Jesus to, to see those sins fall by the wayside. And then when you breathe your last, you'll move from breathing on earth to breathing in heaven. Why would anyone not take that second step? He did the hard one. He did the hard one. Only he could do that. Only you can do the second one. Why would anyone not do that? It's Easter. Easter. Would you bow and pray with me? Father in heaven, Father, there's so much to celebrate today. So many of us are celebrating from the core of our being because what I've just talked about we know is truth and reality. We've experienced that. But Father, I know there are many in this room that have never taken that second step. And I'm praying that they want to, they yearn to, they're willing to do it now. And I'm praying that, that I might pray a prayer that they might be able to follow and silently pray themselves and mean it from their heart. And they might move from death to life as well. That's why you brought them here, Father. So I, I hope they would pray something like this. hope they would pray, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came and died with this purpose in mind. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you made me. You love me. You have power and wisdom and love and grace. And I want to trust the rest of my life to you. I want to surrender leadership to you. I want to follow you. So here's my life. And Father, I know when a person prays that authentically, in that very instant, they have moved from death to life. And all begins to change. All begins to change. The guilt, every sin erased, expunged. They're not enough. It's no longer true of them. They in Jesus, they're complete in him. The enslavement to sins, it just won't end. Jesus helps them. Help them shed them one by one by one. And then, Father, just the knowledge of knowing that the day's going to come, that they'll breathe their last on this earth, that day will come, but it will be the best day of their life because the next breath is heaven. Father, I'm praying so many in this room. I pray that prayer. The prayer that changes everything. Continuing to pray, your head bowed, eyes closed.
If you prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand and hold it up so I can see it? I'm, I'm the only one that's looking to see that. But if you prayed that prayer, would you hold it up so I can see it? You've moved from death to life. You have moved from death to life. Everything, everything changes. Everything about your life begins to be brand new again. Everything changes. Father, thank you for, for all of the ones in this room who have trusted you and your son enough to surrender their lives to him, to give leadership to him. Thank you for that, Father. May they be able to walk out of this place with such joy knowing that, that they have the movement that matters most has already happened in their life. The one movement that is the movement of all movements that each person really must have is now true in their life. May they celebrate that. May they worship you. May they thank you. In fact, may all of us now, may all of us now, may rise and celebrate you and your risen son, Jesus. All to your glory and his glory. In Jesus' name.